Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, October 11th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. As we told you yesterday, I am flying solo, but don't worry. James and his perky self will be back for tomorrow's episode, and we'll close out the week together. All right, into the news yesterday, the new Roundabout Theatre Company production of J.B. Priestley's Time in the Conways opened on Broadway. The play marks the first Broadway revival of the show since its 1938 opening. Time in the Conways stars Elizabeth McGovern, Anna Camp, Gabriel Ebert, Charlotte Perry, Matthew James Thomas, and more. In 1919 Britain, Mrs. Conway is full of optimism during her daughter's lavish 21st birthday celebration. The Great War is over, wealth is in the air, and the family's dreams bubble up like champagne. Jump 19 years into the future, though, and the Conway's lives have transformed unimaginably. Directed by Indecent's Rebecca Tashman, the show didn't really get the... Reviews that I think probably anybody involved would have liked. Jesse Green from the New York Times said, All this loving attention to the play's philosophical superstructure does little to alleviate the stiffness of the actual scenes, which are filled with a kind of canned dialogue and bald exposition that Monty Python and other English satirists would come to savage a few decades later. Perhaps it is not surprising, then, that the performances, including that of Mrs. McGovern, are often overstated. Matt Winman of AM New York continues, Except for a handful of striking moments, the play comes off as a boring mishmash of Chekhov's The Cherry Orchard, Sondheim's Merrily We Roll Along, and, of course, Downton Abbey. Perhaps it would work better with an all-English cast that possesses ensemble unity. Here the performances are uneven, and so are the accents. Time Out New York's Adam Feldman said, It's unclear why the roundabout has chosen to mount this play, except perhaps that director Rebecca Tashman has staged it before, and Elizabeth McGovern, who played the kindly matriarch of a comparable family on Downton Abbey, was available to play the mother. The production features solid work from most of the actors, including Charlotte Perry as the intellectually ambitious Kay, Anna Camp as her pretty but vacuous sister Hazel, Stephen Boyer as Hazel's brutish suitor, a bullet of a man, and Brooke Bloom, who makes welcomely bold choices as the sour socialist Madge. Oh, Madge, James, I wish you were here for Madge. But Time in the Conways requires a stronger gravitational force than McGovern's airy performance provides. The center does not hold. In wrapping it up, Sarah Holdren from Vulture said, quote, If only the play itself lived up to the extravagant and admittedly powerful visual metaphor that set designer Neil Patel and Tashman have created for it. But despite intermittent moving moments, the text often feels clunky, dated, and more than a bit sentimental. Tashman, whose work with her actors is sharper in the second act, overplays the first act's saccharine notes, and Paloma Young's costumes fall into the same trap. In 1937, they're crisp and evocative. In 1919, they feel like cotton candy. Too sugary, too fluffy, too, well, costumish. Now, Miss Holdren, I respect your opinion, but don't come at cotton candy. Don't do it. I won't stand for anyone disrespecting cotton candy. Anyway, those reviews and many more will be in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com if you want to check that out. But the reviews, not exactly what I think anyone was hoping for. In other news, yesterday we got the first of what I'd been expecting and talking about for a while is a holiday show to fill the gap between a fall vacancy in a Broadway house and an already announced spring show. This comes from producer Kathleen K. Johnson, who announced that Home for the Holidays, 
will star Candace Glover, American Idol winner from season 12, Josh Kaufman, winner of The Voice season 6, and Bianca Ryan, winner of America's Got Talent season 1, and it will play the August Wilson Theater beginning on November 17th and running through December 30th. The show will be hosted by Caitlin Bristow, star of Bachelorette season 11, Patty Murin, I'm looking at you to be at opening night, with a special appearance by Oscar-nominated stage and screen star Danny Aiello, as well as YouTube sensations Peter Hollins and Yavin Hollins. I don't know. I got nothing there. Um, drawing from a rich musical catalog that rivals only Broadway itself, Home for the Holidays features three of the greatest voices of their generation. I guess they must be announced later because certainly they couldn't be talking about the people I mentioned earlier. Uh, they will be performing contemporary takes on more than 25 perennial favorites. Backed by a kinetic eight-piece rhythm and brass section, traditional favorites like O Come All Ye Faithful and O Holy Night provide heart as they come to life side by side with radio favorites such as All I Want for Christmas is You and Christmas, Baby, Please Come Home. Yeah. I know I said I anticipated some of these things coming to Broadway to fill gaps in, in vacant houses, but this is not what I was expecting. If, if you are interested in who Candace Glover is, I recapped every episode of her American Idol season on BroadwayWorld.com. Maybe I'll put a link in there to the finale if you want to check it out. All right, next on to last week's Broadway grosses. After a few down frames, Broadway bounced back in a big way last week, only partially because five new-ish shows were added to the boards. Yes, as a whole, Broadway picked up more than $7 million for a 30.31% jump in the bottom line, but only two, count them, two, Broadway shows suffered week-to-week declines. So it wasn't just on the fact that there were new shows on Broadway. And those two shows that suffered those declines? Sure, Evan Hansen and Hamilton. I think they're going to be okay. The big story of the grosses week was Springsteen on Broadway, which brought in a monstrous $2,332,108. And I remind you, Bruce is only doing five shows per week, and the Walter Kerr only seats 975. So that means that the average ticket price was $496.72. For comparison, that's more than $224 more than Hamilton's average from last week. Springsteen's total was good enough to put him in third place for the week overall, behind only Hamilton and Hello Dolly, which again broke Schubert organization and house records. With Springsteen's insane average ticket price, even though he was in third, the boss was less than 30 tickets short of surpassing Dolly for second. Michael Riedel had an article last night going further into detail about Bruce's quest for a Tony Award. The article puts a little bit more meat onto the bones that James and I have already discussed, but since James is our resident boss expert and is not here, I figured we'd save that discussion for tomorrow when we are back and better than ever. Behind Hamilton, Dolly, and Bruce, the other shows above 1 million were The Lion King at 2.27, Wicked at 1.87, Dear Evan Hansen, Aladdin, Come From Away, The Book of Mormon, The Phantom of the Opera, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, the little jukebox musical that could, Beautiful. I don't know if there were fall breaks around the Northeast, but the family shows did very well last week, with Wicked, The Lion King, School of Rock, and Aladdin all leading the way in week-to-week gains. Now, at the top of the segment, I said there were five new-ish shows on Broadway last week. I added the ish because Warpaint had taken a week off two weeks ago, and it was back with just over $605,000 last week. 
Then there was Springsteen, which we've already discussed. And then there was Lincoln Center's Junk, which pulled in $238,130 in four performances. M. Butterfly, which did $199,627 in just two performances. And the band's Visit, with $134,679 on a single performance. 1984 closed on Broadway on Sunday and had a nice closing bump of over $188,000 to finish at $490,658, its best week during its entire Broadway run. Huh. If only producers could figure out how to make every week closing week, am I right? In some other financial news yesterday, Come From Away announced that in just its short eight-month run on Broadway, the show has recouped its initial $12 million investment and is now profitable. And according to Variety, the Tuning Arts Club off-Broadway production of Sweeney Todd recouped its $1.22 million investment in just 24 weeks. So, congratulations to all of the folks over at the Schoenfeld and Barrow Street Theatres. Yesterday, we also learned that the pre-Broadway Canadian engagement of Town will be starring a few people that are familiar to the show and some folks that are staging a mini Spider-Man turn off the dark reunion. Patrick Page, Reeve Carney, and TV Carpio will be joining Rachel Chavkin's production that will be helmed in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, beginning on November 11th and running through December 3rd. Fresh off Natasha Peer in The Great Comet of 1812, Amber Gray will return to her role in the show, and Kingsley Legs will play Hermes as well. The New York Theatre Workshop production of Town was staged in the round, but up at the Citadel Theatre in Edmonton, Rachel Chavkin will be staging it in a proscenium theatre with the idea that if they can't get Circle in the Square anytime soon because Once on This Island is there, they would be willing to put it into a proscenium house on Broadway if they can find the space. In other news, yesterday the Manhattan Theatre Club announced another one-week extension for its world premiere production of The Portuguese Kid, the new play written by Tony and Pulitzer Prize and Academy Award winner John Patrick Shanley. The show stars Jason Alexander, Sherry Renee Scott, Mary Testa, and more. The show will now play through December 3rd. And finally, to close out the show today, yesterday in the UK's The Sun, Mitch Winehouse, the father of the late great Amy Winehouse, said that a jukebox musical is currently in the works set for the West End to chronicle his daughter's life. However, Mitch Winehouse said that the musical would be focused on remembering, quote, Amy for what she was. There's so much more to her than just the drugs and the alcohol. If you aren't familiar, Amy Winehouse died in 2011 from accidental alcohol poisoning at just the age of 27. All right, that's all we've got for you today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt. And subscribe to Sunmega Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. James will be back with me on Thursday, so we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.